Hello and welcome to Switch It. We're back after the Christmas and New Year period with a show best described as festively plump. And I'm not just talking about an extra layer of cable knit. There's been lots to talk about, so in the spirit of England's experience in South Africa so far, we've called in reinforcements. In the studio, I'm joined by Andrew Miller and Matt Roller, while Mark Butcher has taken time out from becoming a national treasure on radio to dial in from Cape Town. How are things going out there, Butch? Hopefully the talk sport hierarchy hasn't had to do anything as drastic as banning warm-up football. No, no, no. The... uh the talk sport sort of team, mainly the, the sort of the off-air team, were involved in a, um, a press versus Barmy Army cricket match out at Newlands yesterday. Um, I mysteriously disappeared, <laughs> uh, which, but I think the, I think the press uh, the press lost. I think Barmy Army gave us a, a right good seeing to. Um, so it, it's been a it's been a, a good sort of couple of days after the test match. It's been great to sort of reflect on what was a, a hell of a game. I mean, it had all had all of the, the elements of, of stuff that people who enjoy test cricket adore, really. It kind of, it uh, it went to sleep at times. It was utterly compelling at other times. It was frustrating. It was exhilarating. It was uh, nerve-wracking. It had it had the lot, really, um, with the added bonus of, of England winning away. Um in the first test in 2020, so I mean it was uh, it was pretty pretty damn special. I mean, listen, I'm an old cynic. I've seen, but I don't know if anybody has realised that over the years on the, on the pod. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I can maybe the odd hit. It kind of you know maybe the odd hit, but it had it had. Uh, yeah, I was certainly glowing at the end of it. I thought it was absolutely sensational. And not just because you've been sitting in the sun too much. Um, a good way to start. <laughs> good way to start the year um, for you two chaps. Um, Never mind Football Miller, you're still recovering from a squash, in- squash injury, I think. I'm nearly back. I'll be, I'll be back on the court next week. Um, whether my wife and children allow me back on the court is another matter, but I'll, I'll bring my racket in and ready to swing it. Uh, but no, it was wonderful. Um, that, that's that's pro- proper cricket, isn't it? it? It was a bit of everything. He had uh, Dom Sibley's undercurrent uh, just chugging along, getting getting his hundred. Ben Stokes rattling in with ridiculous runs and last-ditch heroics. Jimmy Anderson... Oldest man, oldest England seamer to take a fifer uh, since Freddie Brown in 1951. A little bit of everything, and uh, going down to the final hour as well. I mean, it, it's you know, if you if you want to want to map out a perfect five day Test match, um, that had pretty much everything except maybe the slight jeopardy of of all all four results possible. There was an outside chance maybe at the start of the day with 312 runs needed, but it was quite clear after that first hour that uh, survival was. South Africa's only intent, and uh, they came pretty close. And um, Matt, the uh, defeat in century and uh, long forgotten. Yeah, well, um, I think England England needed to bounce back. Um, it it fitted their narrative as well. Of um, you know, obviously they were hampered badly by injury and illness in the first test, and uh, it, I think you know a defeat in the second one, two 0 down in the series, could suddenly have been the writing on the wall for Joe Root. But here we are, and everyone's been singing his praises for the past few days. I think he had one of his better tests as captain. Um, and yeah, what a what a test match! Indeed, well, plenty his best, his best one, not one of his better. It was like it was. Like, it was so far and away his best, his best uh, test match in charge, um, as to kind of uh, as to make you wonder, uh, wonder why anyone was questioning him in the first place, and then you just look back at test match and you know exactly why. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> but no, I, you know the, the other the other side of the course from a 
from a from a pod point of view, from our point of view, um, it's, how long ago does it seem now that five seamers was the way to go to win to, to, to win Test matches? Um, <laughs> that, that seems to have been forgotten. Thank goodness, um, uh, you know, Don Best did a did did a terrific job, one of the best jobs um, that a, that an English spinner has done as a, as a holding bowler. Um, with the kookaburra, you know, in the southern hemisphere, in in, in a hell of a long time since one. Really. Ben is the menace, um, then. <laughs> Well, no, well, yeah, well, I mean, we'll we'll get to him later. Yeah. I mean, so that, but, um, but but yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of the beauty of it was that it had all of the elements of of, of, of things that were real about sort of Test match cricket, um, and England did a lot of them really well. The be- and the great thing about it is, is that when England decides to put in a performance like that. Um, from one nil down, that they're not playing against a, a team who is um, is hell bent on on driving you into the dust with aggressive cricket, which is where South Africa come into play. Um, you know, in terms of having played their part, because I still think had 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 that had this been I don't know had this been a second Test match of an Ashes series and England had won the toss back in first, got knocked over to sixty on an albeit slightly less good pitch than everyone thought, that Australia wouldn't have allowed them to have. To have got themselves back in the game from there, um, but that's why you know that's which is why England South Africa contests home or away are always compelling because the, the teams are kind of uh, flawed in different ways, but in equal measure, um, and that's what kind of makes the, the contests um, as watchable as they nearly always are. Indeed, yes, fallibility on both sides. Um, but some standout performers, uh, one in particular uh, that we should talk about, I think. Um, New Year, same old Ben Stokes. Uh, England's cricketing superhero donned his cape in Cape Town to seal a, a thrilling victory and level the series. Uh, it was England's first test win at Newlands since 1967, 1957, sorry, and came with eight overs 57, to spare. don't get it wrong. Indeed, don't get it wrong. Indeed, added, but can't lose those extra ten years. Um, eight overs to spare on the uh, fifth and final day. Um, uh, and that three-wicket spell came after scores of 47 and 72, the latter from 47 balls, uh, and six catches, five in the first innings to equal the record I- in tests for a fielder, uh, to top off a- an outstanding individual display, although he tried to give the match award away to Dom Sibley. It was Botham-esque, it was Flintoff-esque, or, or is it about time we just said it was Stokes-esque, Butch? <laughs> yeah, it was... It was um, Darren Goff, colleague in the in the commentary box, got kind of called it a long way out that it would be Stokes would be the guy who would win the game for us in the end. There were periods in that sort of afternoon session where you just thought, no, it's it's beyond us now. It kind of you know the pitch just looks too dead um, and too uh, you know there's nothing happening. The, the the fabled crack had kind of sealed itself up. Um, I can't say I can't use the analogy that I was going to, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, <laughs> We've all got the image, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, yes, I think so. Um, and you know, it just, it just seemed as though you know Don Bess had kind of had run into the sort of the limits of his ability, at, at least at this stage of his career, um, and that uh, you know Joe, Joe Root had run out of, of rabbits to pull out the hat with, with with moving field positions, and then of course it was. It was just a bloke who was irresistible, wasn't he? I mean, he bowled the quickest spell of the entire match on either side um, in the last hour of play on day five. <laughs> um, and and once Good you know, and once he sort of once he got going, um, you just kind of knew he was going to do it. You know, it was it was like a force of will, and he willed the willed the fans into believing it. He willed us into believing it in the commentary box. 
Um, and he will, you know, he will the rest of the team into into thinking that it's okay. If this is going to happen at some point. All we've got to do is hold on to it. And and another feather in England's cap, they held on to it, held on to everything. So um, it was it was a staggeringly good performance from Ben. I mean, the, the, the just to. I know I'm going to run out of battery, so I'll try and get it all in at once. <laughs> He's 77, you know, the innings in the, in the second innings. Joe Root, um, Don Sibley at the other end, nobody, apart from the fact that they sort of watched him smash the crap out of it in the nets out of the back <laughs> um, in the morning. So that wasn't a team plan. That was, that was entirely Stokes deciding this is, this is how we're going to, this is how I'm going to go this morning. Um, and of course, that that the speed with which he, he he scored those runs allowed Joe to declare a hell of a lot earlier than perhaps anyone would have guessed. Um, and of course, it was necessary, wasn't it? There was there were so few overs to go at the end that he he, he basically gave him the time to to force the victory. It was just, it was an incredible performance. It really was. And Miller, you, you engaged in some uh, bants, should we say, on comms uh, about all-rounder stats <laughs> and, and the respective merits of a, a numbers giant like Jacques Callis versus Stokes in his moment-stealing style. Did uh, that denouement support your conclusions? Oh, it's just, it's just so tedious, isn't it? You Every time you, you get this in, on Twitter or wherever, you'll get people piling in saying, he's overrated, I don't know what you see in him. Like, he's not overrated, he's just rated. I mean, how how can you not rate... A player of that magnificence, and uh, you know the, the the performance he put in was exactly the sort of moment seizing performance that uh, that sets him apart. You know, he he scores seventy four when he could easily have played for a red inker and got mm. you know a fifty not out in a slow declaration would have improved his average, but would have improved England's prospects of winning. Not a not a shot of it. Um, his his uh, three wickets at the end there again. He's, he's he's the guy coming in, steaming in when Jimmy Anderson's gone lame and everyone else is running out of options. You can't quantify the the impact he has on the scorecard. You can you can look at it in isolation and and see Dom Sibley is oh, Dom Sibley. I'm not underplaying his his role and it stands out. And, and Stokes was quite right in 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 pointing out that there there was everything that he was able to do on that on that. Um, penultimate day was was built on the fact that Sibley had set a platform and so you, he didn't have to come in and, and rebuild the innings like he had to at, uh, at Headingley but you know everything that he achieved on that day was was entirely team orientated and it, it, it was tailored to the moment in a way that uh, you wouldn't necessarily get from from guys who who look after their, their averages in to a to a greater extent um, and again without denigrating Jack Callis who is obviously one of the greats batsman let alone one of the great all-rounders is there's that there, it is unquestionably the case that there were times i remember a centurion test on england's tour in 2004 when it, i think south africa were 2-1 down there was an outside chance that south africa could have put the squeeze on england if they got got a wriggle on and made them bat again but it didn't happen and callis plodded along did what he always does which is score runs at his own tempo and you can't fault that because so many times it, it was the right thing to do for the team. But on that occasion, you did wonder whether couldn't you just sort of plant the front dog and, and wallop it? And Butch presumably uh, remembers that uh, innings. So. I, I imagine he does. <laughs> I think England were three down by the end in, in in no time at all. So it just reinforced the sense that you know, put a, get a wriggle on and, and it changes the tempo and the and the context of the of, of the of, of the contest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that kind of goes back to what I was talking about in terms of the, the flaws of South African teams. You know. South Africa had the, had the chance to, to bury England in, in, in 98 um, 
again in, in 2003, but something in their sort of psyche doesn't allow them to do it. You know, they, they play the percentages in a, in a way that, that, um, that kind of negates some of the, the incredibly talented cricketers that they've had. And maybe, you know, and I think your, your comparison is a fair one. Would Jack Callis have done the same thing as Ben Stokes? Given the same situation, I think we can all safely say no. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's, I suppose that's where the, the folklore of the sort of the brave, um, kamikaze English all rounder comes from, you know, put both <laughs> in the same situation. Would he, would he have done it the same way? Probably. Would, would Freddie have chosen to do it the same way? Probably. Um, and there in his England's floor, England's floor is kind of sometimes overreaching ability with a, with a sort of like a gun ho attitude to the game. And South Africa's floor is, um, is, is, is kind of, is, is losing, losing chances to uh, greatness but through same, a, a cautiousness that, sort of, that, 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 that is wrong, you know, that is, that, that they have more ability, um, in their, in their ranks than to be as cautious as they, Generally are yeah, but at the same time, it's it's very important not not to get the, get into a sort of Stokes versus Callis who's right debate because there's no question the guy who averages no. fifty five and mm. produces agenda setting centuries in in the first innings in particular. I mean that's one thing I think that England's all rounders tended tend not to have done. I haven't, I haven't overanalyzed the stats, but you do sense that you know I think that's England, England as a whole do see, do seem to work better. When they've got a match set up for better or worse, they they know their end game. They can head towards it. I think England as a whole still get a bit of vertigo in that on that first day, first innings. There's a mm. blank canvas, 600 to be scored, and they'll end up 300 all out because they they don't know quite how to go about it. <laughs> Jack Callis never had that problem, yeah, and well, and that was one of the fundamental building blocks of his monstrous career. So, you know, there's, there, there's there are so the many ways to skin the cats, aren't there? Miller, you just 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 forget the whole thing and just say sobers and, and walk away from the argument. Not one to walk away from a, an argument on comms, I don't think, uh, Miller. Um, oh, you know, got to got to got to get your kick somehow. <laughs> as, as well as a bit of magic, Matt. Um, England England need need a dose of luck in that final session after South Africa had got through most of the day, only losing three wickets. Whether it was Quinton de Kock's uh, attempts to take on Joe Denley's long hop or a canny bit of positioning with a, a man at leg gully for Rassie van der Dussen. Yeah, I think um, I, I think that was kind of the, the, the result of uh, pressure building throughout the final day. I think South Africa probably from, sort of as Butch alludes to, on, on from the third day when de Plessis went very negative from the outset... Um, in England's second innings, um, you know, you think about how early, uh, Maharaj started bowl, sort of firing stuff in towards the pads. Uh, you think about his, his lack of use of, uh, Nokia, um, especially, I, I remember there was a point just before tea, he had root in all sorts of trouble having just got Denley out, and then we didn't see him again until the final session, until the final hour, I should say, and when he did come back on, there wasn't a short leg. It all felt a bit negative. Um, the body language was, you know, they dropped really from the first 10 overs when Rabada and Crawley had their little battle. They, they, there wasn't really a lot in it. Um, but I think conversely, England on the final day, despite the fact they needed five wickets after tea on a pitch that wasn't offering them loads, um, it, it felt like there was a certain element of belief there um, throughout. And yeah, of course, some of it is luck. So, you know... It, it start that uh, the Van der Dussen strangle to leg gully felt uh, like it might briefly have been an inspired piece of captaincy, but 
uh, Root sort of washed his hands of it and uh, gave all the credit to Broad. He then said that he'd fired it down the leg side by mistake and all that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I think I think um, England bowled well enough throughout um, that final day, especially when you consider uh, Anderson was limited to I think eight overs on that final day um, to to vindicate that result. Um, let's rewind back to the first morning when the Omens were not looking so good. England had uh, lost Joffre Archer and Rory Burns to injury on the eve of the game. Uh, fielded a spinner playing in his first test in 18 months. Um, they'd obviously had their issues with the Benoni bug uh, and then won the toss, stuttered to 234 for nine. But from there onwards, uh, this was solid test match cricket throughout uh, Butch, uh, there, there've been talk about it being a cursed tour. How easy is it for players to get sucked into that way of thinking? And and what do you think helped turn uh, them turn this game around? Um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, obviously, them all feeling better was was a massive, <laughs> yeah. a massive plus. Keeping your lunch down um, is a know, start. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, five five days in in sort of thirty degree, thirty five degree heat at the high belt is not exactly what you want when you when you. When you're throwing things um, forwards and backwards um, and not getting any sleep, so look, I mean, so so, so therefore they, they had that going for them. They also what they also have going for them, what Joe Root has going for him, perhaps more than anything else, is the fact that, that no matter what happens and no matter where the stick is coming from, um, without the side, um, they all seem to they they play for him and they and they and they want him as their leader and they believe in him and they kind of. And they stick together. Um, you know, we haven't seen any any signs of kind of um, dissent from from on the field or from from sort of you know star players feeling that they're above above the fray when things aren't going particularly well. Um, and that's and that's a huge sort of feather in, in Joe's cap, really. Um, and that, so and so when he has a, a great game and when when the, the plans all come together, Hannibal. Um, <laughs> Hannibal style, um, eighteen, not uh, not elephant man. Um, the the, uh, the uh, you know the, the, the team were able to sort of perform above themselves. There wasn't a, there wasn't a single player, even sort of looking at sort of Zach Crawley and Josh Butler, perhaps who had a, a bit of a quiet game beyond his um, his quite legendary um, Barrow Boys legend of, uh, of Vernon Fernandez at the back end. And <laughs> um, everybody had had a part to play in the in the game. Everybody performed. Um, in a way that that, um, that contributed towards that win, um, and you know, when, if a guy like Don Best can sort of come into the team from outside of the squad and absolutely bowl his boots off, um, you know, I think it's one of the one of only three or four um, England spinners to go at less than two and over for the course of the Test match. So Ashley Giles did it twice, I think, during during his career. Um, you know, to, to perform a role that England had just simply haven't been able to, to lay a finger on for the last four or five years. Um, it's a huge testament to the fact that it's a, it must be a decent environment to walk back into. Um, and, you know, that everybody's pulling for one another. I don't think, it, I don't think there's anybody that can say that that isn't the case with this England team at the moment. Yeah. I think also just to jump in on that point on Bess, I think that again is a credit to Root's captaincy because it would be very easy to criticise um, how sort of apparently defensive uh, the field that he initially set to best was on in uh, in South Africa's first innings. You know, he ca- came on at a time in the game where uh, England needed wickets rather than uh, to to stem the flow, or so it seemed. But in fact, 
by building that pressure from that from the Calvin Grove end, he he allowed the seamers to rotate so well. Um, and you know mm. that was exactly it was a perfect riposte to the idea of fielding <laughs> all your seamers. Would you, would you, would anybody believe that that's what a spinner's supposed to do in the yeah. first innings of the Test match, and why you should always play one? I mean, you know, I don't know. Somebody might have mentioned it somewhere before. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we, uh, you know, uh, I, I I think we've got a bit of a back catalogue on that, Butch. Um, uh, but you've been proven right. Um, <laughs> Talking of the environment, though, I mean, it's, it, again, you, you talk about the the senior players, and it's a great credit to to well, Root. Uh, Root takes a lot of the plaudits for for being the sort of overarching boss of the environment but you know it's a massive credit to Stokes as well the the way that you know this this massive big gun player you know sports personality of the year and all the rest of it you know there he is handing over his match award to Dom Sibley and and creating and self-evidently creating an environment whereby everyone you know four kids age 22 or under feel like they they can they can be treated as equals by a living legend of English cricket. It, 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 it's a great, great credit to him. And, it, you know, again, going back to the, the debate about Stokes v. Flintoff v. Botham, there are two two points come from that, I, I reckon. Firstly, it's interesting how, you know, Stokes seems to have worked with with Root in the same way that Flintoff worked under Vaughan and, and Botham under Brearley, in that, you know, the, the, he's found a captain maybe maybe not a tactical genius like like certainly Brearley and, and to... to, to Certain degree, born as well were, but he's got something about him that, that Stokes wants to work with and doesn't want to undermine, doesn't want to rock the boat, wants to wants to play along with, and and conversely, you know, you you, you maybe look at Flintoff and both of them, perhaps once they became the senior massive personalities in the team as opposed to just the best players, uh, you, you saw a little bit of friction creating, a little bit of gap created between the best and the rest. You're not seeing that with Stokes. The, the way in which he is making an effort yeah. to to keep keep the team at striving to keep up with his level, rather than thinking, well, why can't you stay at my level? If you see what I mean, it's a there's a very subtle difference and a very important difference. That's a, that's a massive credit to him because you know he he could be head and shoulders above this crowd, but instead he's 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 mucking in, and 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 that's amazing to see. Yeah, here, here. Um, and well, to the extent that he was uh, uh, forcing the man of the match award on his uh, uh, younger teammate, um, talking about uh, abandoning funky cricket, um, England did this by the book. They batted first. They got some runs on the board, not all that many. Um, and then they got a hundred from the top order. The first um, first England opener to score a, a ton at Cape Town since Jack Hobbs in 1910. Seems. Um, <laughs> Yeah, any remember that one Butch tour? Uh, but I was going to say uh, another Surrey boy. Um, not much of a Surrey strut about Dom Sibley. Plenty of Warwickshire willpower. Is that what it is? <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the overriding uh, reason why he's not a Surrey anymore. <laughs> There's no strut about him at all. Um, no, I, I tell you what, though, I'm unbelievably happy for him um, because. Look, I mean, you know, the way he plays isn't everybody's cup of tea, but there's a lot of that, um, a lot of that brew knocking around in world cricket at the moment, and a lot of them weirdos with uh, with strange techniques are scoring a lot of runs. So, um, <laughs> as, as again, as I believe I've said before, the, the, the guy, the guy has scored head and shoulders um, more runs than anybody else in the championship last year. He's a specialist opening batsman. He's renowned for having incredible con- powers of concentration, stubbornness. Um, he does it his own way, and as a, 
you know, as, as the, his career, his very fledgling career has gone on, he scored sort of more runs every time he's walked out to the middle until finally he makes a breakthrough and scores 100. Um, and, you know, during the course of, of making that score, you could see some of the sort of tension leave his back lift a little bit. He was able to sort of get the, get the hands back beyond his, beyond his right hip and actually sort of make a downswing through the offside. You know, that these things happen. You, you loosen up, you get a little bit less tense the more you feel that you belong. Um, and it was a, you know, it was a really, really good innings. It was a cracking innings. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> He chose the wrong wrong test match to make his debut 100 in, I think, cause, <laughs> because any other time he would have rightfully been given the match award. But unfortunately, uh, not quite Sir Ben came in and, and stole his thunder in a thunderous ma- manner. He did. Uh, it wasn't quite divine intervention, but um, anyway, the, the vicar has delivered his first sermon. And I'm sure he'll be packing out the pews from here on. Um, just, Butch, before before we uh, we let you go, what what do you sense about kind of the the mood of uh, in each camp now? A bit of a break before Port Elizabeth, but um, from being kind of heavily favoured beforehand and then and then losing quite badly um, up in mm. Centurion, England do seem to have uh, perked up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think all things all things being equal, i.e., you know, similar amount of injuries besetting both teams, nobody being sick, all that kind of thing. I think I think England do just about have the edge. I think there's still there's still two relatively flaky batting lineups. I mean, Duplessis, if Joe Root's sort of lack of form as captain um, is causing is causing problems in the England lineup, in fact, Duplessis' run is absolutely mm. horrendous, um, hideous. And some, and, and his captaincy was was I'd say pretty average. It was horrend- It was horrendous too at points during that Test match. So um, South Africa have got problems in their top order. Um, bowling wise, um, Vernon Philander has got a bit of an issue. In fact, it wouldn't. You know what wouldn't surprise me if if this if we were in Australia right now. Again, I hate to. I keep making the comparison, but it it, it, <laughs> it, it, it bears repeating. If we were in Australia right now. And Vernon Philander had announced his retirement and just played his final test match at his home ground. They would not let him see the, see out the series after his performance in the last test. Um, he basically, he basically ran away when Ben Stokes came at him in the, in the second innings. Um, he basically left his number 11, hung his number 11 out to dry in the first innings and did a very similar thing in the second, albeit he eventually got down Ben Stokes' end to, to face the music and was, and was knocked over. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think the, the, the Australians would have turned around and gone, you know what, it's time. The guy's, the guy's done at the end of it anyway. And, uh, and we'll say thank you very much. Just, you know, the, the team is, the team is more important than a guy having a lap of honour at the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, strong words there. Uh, Ramilo, did you think, uh, Valander had lost some of his snap there in, uh, well, um, I mean, Josh Butler on his on his home ground as well. Josh Butler certainly certainly <laughs> saw saw a flaw in in in, in his physique, let's say. But uh, I don't know. I mean, Philander's Philander's often often had this, hasn't he? This the, the 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 slight suspicion that his his fitness hasn't hasn't quite matched up to his his skill, and um, you know he, he he bowled so well in particularly in that first innings at Centurion that uh, you know you, you'd you'd assume that he's just going to roll on roll on through. But you know, I mean, it. it 
age catches up with him, doesn't he? Especially when you, you know, he's a he's a medium pacer in the, in the first instance. Obviously, had a magnificent um, agenda setting medium pacer. One of one of the one of the the, the true modern sort of um, throwbacks, really, isn't he? he? He he's a guy who's who's bucked the trend in a way that very few others have managed to do so. But um, but yeah, he is coming to the end of his time, and uh, I don't know. I I, I think. I, I would keep him in the side because I don't think I don't think South Africa can afford to to not have him in the side at the moment. I think um, you know Nokia's come come through brilliantly, um, but have, have they? I mean, is Dwayne, Dwayne Pretorius really the next best seamer they've got? I mean, he's he's no Philander when it comes to comes to that 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 medium pace snap off a good length and hit the gloves type type ability that that Philander's had for throughout his career. So. I I don't know. Give give a little bit more life in the, in 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 the pitch in in um, PE, and I, I can see him causing England bother again. But uh, yeah, he was he was below well, par. That, there, there's one thing, um, James, that um, you would imagine had uh, had things gone differently for South Africa, a Cape Town at Port Elizabeth would have been its usual sort of slow low self. But um, they might have to think about doing something a little bit a little bit more uh, a little bit more adventurous at Port Elizabeth, which again doesn't suit them particularly but it, but they might think this could be our only way back in back now because um, England England have nothing to fear from them I don't think they don't, certainly don't from their, from their batting lineup. Um, there's nobody there that's going to come in and take a game away from them um, and you know the, the Rabada is a long way off his best um, and the rest are workman like so you know it, it's going to be it will be what it always is between England and South Africa and that is um Something that you don't want to take your eyes off because there, there will be errors, there will be um, there will be incompetence, there'll also be brilliance from uh, from somebody or other, um, and it will probably all go down to the last one anyway. Uh, brilliant, thanks, uh, Butch. Uh, we of course uh, know all about uh, being compellingly flawed here. Um, <laughs> not that that applies to you. Th- thanks for your time. You got anything planned for the for the next few days? Uh, next few days? No, I'm just I'm I'm, I'm being I'm being a good. Uh, a good husband and father for the next few days, and uh, and then and then I'll get back to normal when we get to PE. <laughs> <laughs> um, excellent news. Well, good luck. Uh, you know, getting through all the fan mail. Look out for the local wildlife for uh, buffalo, big cats, <laughs> Kevin Petersons, and we'll chat soon. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Right, still plenty more for us to chew through here after double bubble test match action. Miller, you you alluded to it earlier, uh, but England's sort of inability to set up games in the first innings was still a problem uh, at Newlands. Um, Achieved a remarkable statistic with um, numbers two to four for the first time in history. I think this was Andy Zaltzman's stat, but scoring... um, getting out in the 30s which seems like that must have happened before but um yeah we had contributions of 34 38 35 47 and 29 among the top seven um and that had been on the ropes but for only pope in the end yeah i mean i i as i say i I lose you earlier but i but i i attribute this to the to the one day factor right so many of these guys are, are used to playing in confined spaces so to speak either they got 50 overs to set a distant target of 400 plus or they're chasing a set target and they know exactly what their roles have to be when they when they're presented with this blank canvas i i just think they uh, they run out of 
run out of steam sometimes rather than patience it's just like what do i do now do i carry on doing the same old plodding or do i try and mow it and you know they get out but here's ollie pope and you mentioned him here's a guy who you know he's been a championship revelation since you know obviously he's thrown in thrown in against india after after a handful of games because he he just kept scoring runs and he's he's a guy who hasn't been quite so exposed to the the white ball environment and and he's got a red ball mentality and he's only 22 so it's it's a great it's a great sign for england it, it, at the start of this this attempt to move their their agenda from from white ball to red ball and and talking about batting time and and digging in and here's a 22 year old who's who's leading the way with that it, uh, um, well, and a 24 year old as well in, in dom sibley so you know it, it, it's encouraging from that perspective that england aren't just talking the talk here they they and and when rory burns is fit again they'll have another guy who's capable of of just batting time and and building the platform to allow stokes to go riffing in in the in the middle of the innings because you know there he was. Uh, go back to his his attempt to foist the man of the match award on Sibley. He did it precisely because there he was given a given a platform in which to play his natural game, rather than come in and play with his pendulum straight bat and and hang around and look nervous about about making the mistake because he didn't trust the men around him. He didn't need to worry about that because the man around him was self evidently trustworthy because he was chugging along very nicely. Thank you. It, it, it's genuinely encouraging. It's the it's the it, it's more strides than I thought England would make in. Red Bull cricket in a shorter period of time than, than I had envisaged. Um, and that's all we can hope for, really, at this early juncture. Um, and, I mean, albeit that that wasn't uh, the kind of big score, uh, the template for test match batting that maybe Chris Silverwood is hoping for, um, Matt, they, they made amends with the ball. South Africa, a bit like England in um, Centurion, actually, but went from 191 for four to 223 all out. Uh, and that really, it was, it was in that sort of session, um, late on the uh, second day that probably the game was, uh, was turned. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Um, I, well, it's probably worth dwelling on the fact as well that if, if England and, uh, Joe Root had had the test match that South Africa and Fafdi Plessis had had, then <laughs> our reaction would be, um, yeah, pretty, Scathing, I think, to say the least. Um, I thought, I think they were. So, well, Butch has already dropped Philander, so go <laughs> on. You can, yeah. you can take off for uh, Faf's head. Yeah, well, on, on, I suppose on Faf, I, I think I've already mentioned it, how I thought he was way too negative in the, in the third innings of the match, but also, as Butch alluded to, I think it's now, um, just about a year, um, since his last test hundred, since he moved up, back up to number four, having sort of hidden himself down at five and six, um, for a long time he moved up during the India series and I think his top score since then in seven or eight innings is 25 28 something like that um so he's on a really horrible run with the bat and it, yeah that was a, a a pretty hopeless session really the, the final one of the second day that um really threw the threw the ball back into England's court um and arguably fast dismissal on on the final day mm. as well when yeah. looking for a man to bat through the day hitting the spinner to square leg yeah, brain farts galore wasn't it <laughs> and there were, yeah there was there were several of them throughout the test you think uh, Quinton de Kock as well um, getting out to Denley and of, uh, you know of course Dennis was uh, finding that that little bit of rough outside the left handers off stump but um, equally yeah two senior players um, captain and wicket keeper. Uh, played enough tests between them, they should really know better than to be holding out um, to pull shots off a part timer. Um, on on the role that um, Tom Best played, uh, Miller, what what improvements has he made in the sort of year and a half he's been out of the game? 
It's a good question. I've not. I must admit, I've not seen enough of his county actions. Obviously, he had to he had to be farm farmed away from from Somerset because he couldn't get a couldn't couldn't get enough time with Leach in the side. So, I mean, he he talked a bit about it about it yesterday. Just to, you know, he lost a bit of confidence after being cast aside. But he, you know, he's grown a bit as well. He's he's only twenty two. It's it's such a such an early day early days for him that um you know he he has the ability I believe to become whatever England need of him because. You know, he didn't exactly show it in this test either, but he's a batsman too. I mean, he got mm-hmm. 50 on debut, uh, 47, I think, in his second test. He, he, he showed fundamentally against Pakistan two years ago, he showed ticker. And that's, you know, from a 21, 20, 21 year old, uh, showing that you're not phased, even if you're, you're clearly not the, the finished article as a, as a spin bowler. He showed enough about him to think this guy could come again and he just he just found consistency didn't he he found a length that uh, that maybe he didn't quite have against Pakistan he, he, in the fewer loose balls all the, all the things that <coughs> varied his pace well and varied his pace well and you know had had impressed Rangana Haref Haraf on the, uh, the the spin camp before Christmas I think was yeah it? but I mean you know you could see as well I think I think it was a graphic that Sky flashed up that uh, I think the intercept points for for best mm. were were pretty mundane from from South Africa in that they didn't come and they didn't come and get him they didn't they didn't advance to meet him so he was allowed to to drop into a loop into a length and and put the pressure on so you know that, again that that's a that's a, a flaw in South Africa's approach to him because here's a 22 year old in his first overseas test who with a little bit of intent could have been hit off that length and and put under pressure but again as I say he's got that ticker he's got a mentality that he feels he belongs there even if he's not the finished article and that goes for Sam Curran as well that that goes for Ollie Pope um too early to talk about Zach Crawley but that catch he took in the slips was 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 a sign certainly the rebound was a sign of a guy who's not going to panic mm. so again it's it's all good signs from from England's young brood that um if they can grow in the job in a way that and you know Silver was talking about it quite uh candidly that uh, you know county cricket isn't the finishing school it used to be therefore they're taking these guys out of the system and plant them straight into the test system and they're learning on the job i mean it's actually it's a little bit like uh, the method bangladesh have used over the over the over the past few years and you look at look back to the footage of the 2007 world cup with tammy mikbal age 17 and shakib and and the mighty atom and all these guys coming through and uh, you know 10 years later they are Severely senior players who who are among the most senior crop in world cricket. Uh, so you know you look look down the line in ten years' time, all of these guys could still be involved, and they will all be able to say, "Well, I learned from James Anderson and Ben Stokes and Stuart Broad and Joe Root." And you know it forms a narrative in England's development of their of their next generation that uh, you perhaps wouldn't wouldn't get if uh, if you if you ignored them for five six years and 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 throw them in with a little bit. More to prove, age 27, 28. And George has written about the changing of the guard on the site. Um, and it's true that some, or at least one, of the 11 makes uh, even Matt look old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've got Sibley's 24, Crawley 21, Pope 22, Curran 21, Best 22. Archer wasn't in the team this time around, obviously, but he's 24. Um, is, is youth the way to go, Matt? Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, I suck them all. I, uh, well, I, what I would say is that I think... Um, it, this probably leads on to a point we're going to discuss about um, James Anderson's future, um, given the news last night that he's uh, been ruled out for the rest of the tour. Um, but I think one of the, the things to remember with this England team is that while it's been a, a it, while it might be a transition from a relatively unsuccessful 
era, um, they are still a team in transition. Um, no one loses a, an opening batsman like Alistair Cook and, it, it, you know, doesn't feel uh, the void that he leaves. And also, you know, let's be honest, James Anderson has been on his way out for most of the past year. Um, he, he admittedly was brilliant in that test match, but it, it feels increasingly like uh, we're going to see less and less of him. And in a way, I think Anderson's injury will potentially leave England in a strong position in that they can introduce this set of young players uh, into their side uh, while there's still some experienced heads in there. So, you know, this might not be the best example to use, but if you think about Australia losing uh, McGrath and Warren at the same time uh, and the difficulty in replacing them uh, from 2007 or whenever it would have been... Um, it, there's constantly been this fear that England would lose Broad and Anderson at the same time uh, and by allowing other seamers to learn from Broad while he's still on the side um, I think it's a perfect opportunity to, to blood some young players and give them that experience of uh, with with senior players around them Yeah, I mean to, to use a to use a, a more Anglo-centric example it's, it's almost you look back to the, the transition for Broad and Anderson themselves in, yeah. on, that, on that tour of New mm. Zealand in, in, in 2007. I mean, we mentioned Ryan Sidebottom a few pods ago, but Ryan Sidebottom was sort of, was, was dropped in as, as a sort of, um, stand-in senior player because, uh, because Hoggard and Harmison suddenly went off a cliff two years after the 2005 Ashes. And so, you know, Sidebottom played a vital role, but really it was a case that Broad and Anderson had to grow up pretty, pretty damn quick. And, and to be fair, both of them did, and look where they are now. But you know, it's it's not quite so uh, it's not quite so obvious. J- Joffre Archer is going to be magnificent, um, in spite of a, a ropey winter that he's had. But uh, you know, beyond that, I mean, Sam Curran is. I mean, again, he he proves that again and again that he's he's got it. Whatever it is, like just like Bess, he, he's got something about the. The, the test match vibe that, that, that he rises to, although I still don't know quite how he does it. Um, and, uh, you know, beyond that, Mark Wood's not quite, not, never going to be fully fit. You wouldn't, don't, don't suspect it, it, it. There's no, Archer aside, there's no obvious line of succession, but there is a chance, as Matt says, for, you know, if, if Anderson and Broad aren't quite gone, but are there or thereabouts, uh, to drop people in gently and, and get them up to speed before they have to be leading the line. It showed the difficulty, I suppose, of, of um, a 37-year-old trying to make their way back at, uh, repeatedly from injury at this stage. Uh, two for 116 in Centurion. Talk of whether he'd be left out in the next game. Obviously, Archer's elbow issue saved uh, England a tricky selection decision there. And then Anderson follows up with seven for 63. Um, and it was, you know, sort of a like, young Jimmy again. But, um, yeah, that's the last we'll see of him for this tour and for the winter you'd think with Sri Lanka coming up um, England do have expect to have Archer fit again in Port Elizabeth and, and Mark Wood for all that um, he's maybe not the long term option uh, Sam Curran's left arm angle continues to sort of show its value um, but they will have a, a, a space to fill with Anderson out the side so. a massive space isn't it I mean you know I, I've, been, I've been crunching Anderson's numbers because uh, as Matt pointed out on Twitter last night this is possibly the last time we'll see Anderson overseas, and and that that is a massive chapter of Anderson's career because it, you know all the all the all the, the, the snide remarks about he only does Clouderson and what, what does that even mean? Uh, but all the snide remarks about he doesn't do it overseas. I mean, self evidently does. He's thirty seven years old and he's just got a fifer 
in Cape Town. He's he's got what two hundred and sixteen wickets overseas, which is almost as many as pretty much any seamer of the nineteen nineties you care to mention. Um and that and you know, and his average I think since since the 2010 Ashes overseas, so 10 years basically of overseas cricket, is 28. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that at all at, a, at, a, at an economy rate of 2.6. So, you know, he's got wickets occasionally, not in, not in massive clusters, but enough to keep England brawling. And he's put a, put the screw on scoring rates in a way that if he if England had a mystery spinner or if they if they had a 90 mile an hour seamer to come in and rough people up consistently they obviously have had they've had wood occasionally they've had mowing in, in certain conditions but you know not consistently they'd never be able to call upon a full arsenal of overseas bowlers in the way that Australia or West Indies have been able to do over the over the years and and ride roughshod over to over the sides when they're on tour uh, England haven't been able to do that so to denigrate Anderson's performances overseas because he's been excellent without being brilliant You've got to, you've got to look at the support cast as well, and and he hasn't had much support, frankly, and for many of those many of those gigs, and he's still come up with a with a record that is actually a lot better than uh, perhaps he's given credit for. Um, the other uh, sort of selection uh, issue or non-issue now, but um, injury for Rory Burns, obviously um, uh, very bad timing for him, shown again in Centurion why he's been that uh, the closest England have found uh, to a, um, a genuine opener since Cook and Strauss on the brink of becoming the first since Cook, uh, I think it was to, in 2007 to score a thousand runs uh, as an opener for England in Test, but that now won't happen for a while um, this is a, a significant chance for, for Zach Crawley Matt, um, and possibly uh, down the line for uh, Keaton Jennings and uh, and the chances of uh, that re- recall in Sri Lanka that you've written about. Yeah, I think I've, I've laid my cards on the table there with the, the, the Jennings pick, I wish I'd, I'd I think I'll be intrigued just to see whether they use it as a free hit as much as anything. Um, but Crawley showed sort of probably both sides as to why he's highly rated and why the jury is still very much out um, in that second innings of 25, I think it was, where um, it, it takes something to have to, to cover drive and clip off the pads against Rabada and square up to him in, in the heat of the battle. But equally, he did look very suspect against the short ball um, I think he got hit three times and really didn't look very comfortable playing it Kept and taking it on though <laughs> he, well he did yeah um, but it, I, to, his, to no good effect but yeah it's. I, I think you just have to keep reminding yourself he's a 21 or 22 year old opener with a first class batting average of 30 um, 21 he's a month younger than you right? <laughs> <laughs> no, older than you sorry um, so yeah he uh, it, we, we can't expect him to immediately transition into being England's first choice opener um, which I think is why I don't think it would be a bad thing for Jennings to have the Sri Lanka tests even if Crawley does okay here because while he might be a, a squad player in future tours um, I don't think anyone's expecting him to be in the side come uh, the start of the summer uh, when Burns will presumably be fit again uh, and I think Sibley's uh, bought himself the, the, the home summer um, as, a, as a bare minimum with that tonne um, and uh, Miller, uh, terrible luck for Roy Burns. Ankle surgery required. Uh, tore, tore his ligaments. Warm up football, the scourge. 
of uh, yeah, it's of almost squash, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Anderson wrecked his ligaments playing squash a few years ago on a, on a Sri Lanka tour. But anyway, um, I think it's how you play squash. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, <maybe. laughs> but but no, I mean yes, yeah, sensible to ban uh, warm up football. Is that, ban it, is that, ban is that, it. Is that the only oh, the only uh, uh, possible response I mean, from Silverwood and Giles? I mean, Giles? it is. It is. It does look a bit bloody stupid, doesn't it? When you when you wreck your best opening batsman, you're probably the best batsman who's established himself in the last five years frankly um you wreck him in a warm-up but at the same time it, 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 england have, have been down this route before and and they keep playing football they keep they love the, the competition it's it's a bloody long tour it's bloody boring if all you're doing is just drills and catching practice and getting on the bus and ferrying backwards and forwards to your hotel and you know you've got to You've got to find ways to let off steam as well, and 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 in a way that that gets you warmed up for a day's a day's cricket. I I I don't see a problem actually. Um, I see probably a problem with with um, some of the tackles that come flying in, but not with the fact that they keep on wanting to play football and keep on wanting to have that 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 banter, that competition, that that drive the edge. You know, fundamentally, they're they're, they're athletes in the prime of their lives. It's it's you know you. you you can't just wrap them up in cotton wool and expect them to to roll out and produce their best cricket if they're just feeling like that's all that's all I live for now. So. Yeah, when it's a when it's a sort of low contact warm up seven aside game or whatever, I, it, it wasn't it wasn't actually a, a particularly bad challenge coming in that did Burns was it? It was just the fact that he landed awkwardly when he was trying to. Yeah, trying I mean, to looking at the video, look yeah. at the video. I was, I was wondering what he was under some done vague pressure, but yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. He, you know, he took a. Great brilliant, first touch, brilliant touch, spam round, looked to finish, and yeah, mm. somehow managed to screw up his ankle in the process. But I don't think there's actually um, any particular evidence suggesting that there's a higher injury rate playing a fairly low temp- tempo game of seven aside football than there is just you know running yeah. or something. something or or you, can, you can you can crack a finger in the nets. I mean, do, do yeah, people exactly. really complain that he's he's hurt himself warming up in the nets? I mean, just because he's playing cricket, yeah. does that mean it's it's it, it's better or worse than 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 an injury sustained playing football. It's still you're still getting yourself in the mindset to play competitively for your country, and and whether that whether that mindset is is triggered by by getting in the right frame of mind for for playing a long innings, or just getting in the competitive juices flowing yeah. because you're playing a warm up game with your with your mates. I still think there's there's merit for it. I'd, I'd be bloody bored if I if I wasn't allowed to have fun on a on a on a three month tour. Yeah, um, and if you think they they've played football. In the warm-ups and in training and before a day for, you know, most days for the past 10 years or whatever it might be. And in the past 18 months, there's been two injuries with Burns and then I think Bairstow in the uh, Sri Lanka ODI series. But before that, there was a huge stretch of no yeah. football. And but I, I, remember, I remember Joe Denley getting getting scythed by, by Oish Shah and right in front of me, actually. I was, yeah. at the, I was at the Oval in the press box and he got hacked down. I mean, that, <laughs> that was a shocking tackle. Yeah. And, and that wrecked his, wrecked his short-term career. So, you know, there are there are... There are Issues with with warm up football, but the game we're talking that was what was that? That was two thousand nine. Exactly. I mean, yeah, they, yeah. we're talking ten, eleven years ago, and I'm still remembering that one incident. Whereas, you know, how many how many fingers have been cracked by by balls that have popped in the nets in recent yeah. times? Life goes on. I think I think you can you can lose too much sleep about these things. Yeah. As Stuart Lee's Graham would say, it's political correctness gone mad. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I think that has brought us fully up to speed. The Dom Doms helped give South Africa a licking, leaving us all to suck it and see in Port Elizabeth. Uh, But while many are practising dry January, we'll carry on getting drunk on Stokes' exploits, at least until the third test starts. 
My thanks to Butch, uh, Miller and Matt. Uh, join us again soon for more on the Switch It podcast on ESPNQuickInfo.com. Mm-hmm.